We welcome you to episode number 11 of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble and a happy Friday to you and yours. Yesterday, uh, a brief practice. We figured we would combo practice recaps with Friday's practice. And then we moved inside because we had to build an arc if we stayed outside. And <laughs> practice uh, the last couple days and frankly the last six days Gribble has been a challenge at best. I mean, th- this week has been a, a roller coaster ride every day since Sunday. And I, I just think that there, there's been some, some positive to come out of this and, and there's been a, a lot of, of good things going, but it's just been, there's, there's been something new every day that has basically made the, the schedule that was written on paper at the beginning of training camp uh, worth the paper it's written on. And I, I think that they've had to adjust the schedule a lot. And I, I don't know... <laughs> I mean, Gibbs, you look at the weather more than I do, but I, I don't know if we're out of the woods for Saturday yet either. It's it's not looking great, uh, but but we'll see if the team gets in a as scheduled two thirty practice uh, on Saturday before heading to the stadium on Sunday. Yeah, and, and frankly, they they need to get it in based on all the adversity and the things that have gone on. Uh, this team needs a few more reps, and we're two weeks out, and we're approaching the point in time where. It's time to start installing. It's time to start preparing for the Baltimore Ravens as much as it is getting ready for the 2020 NFL season. Well, and I mean, this is something we maybe haven't talked about as much now as we would in previous years, but you're uh, eight days away from cutting your roster down. I mean, this is the, these are the important decisions. I feel like we haven't even talked about that kind of looming thing to begin with. We're talking more Ravens because it's so close, but you know, you're, you're making some quick decisions here on, on, on some guys on the roster. So you got to get a look at those guys, make sure you have your right 53. Let's see who's probably going to be healthy for the Ravens game. Who's probably not going to be healthy for the Ravens game. And then you got to show that continuous improvement, which I will say these last two practices, obviously we didn't watch what happened on Friday. We might have to go to Jeff McDaniel for his analysis on, on today's practice. But you know, at the, the two practices that have happened as truncated and as adjusted as they've been, seem to have been a step in the right direction for this team, which I think is good to see after maybe some, some offensive inconsistency Tuesday leading into the break. All right, let's start with those practices. The one we did see on Thursday, uh, obviously the practice cut in half uh, to about an hour to spend the rest of the time brainstorming ways to affect change in the community in the wake of Jacob Blake's shooting by a police officer in Wisconsin. And, uh, I'll tell you what, the guys spent a lot of time talking and not just the players, coaches, front office. A lot of people were talking. We weren't sure, frankly, if practice was even going to happen on Thursday. And the guys took the field and it, practice was moved back about 15 minutes. A, a nice hour of work under a lot of adverse conditions. And Boy, they, they did get in some good work. And let's start off with the two people that really kind of shown the most, Baker Mayfield and Hollywood Higgins. Going back to, you know, Baker's rookie year, Hollywood was almost like his security blanket. Boy, does that seem like that's coming into play here the further we go into training camp. Yeah, and I think it's good because we, honestly, those first five practices, we didn't see or hear much of Hollywood Higgins at all. And then these last five or six, he's been active. And I, I think I would just say that practice as a whole, 
you know, we saw more touchdowns in that practice than maybe we've seen in the, in the past few combined, whether it was in the red zone, uh, you saw touchdowns outside of red zone drills. It just looked like what you wanted this offense to look like. And, and I think we've, we've seen good things from the running game the entire time, but now when you start to see some good things happening through the air, then you start to see what the vision of this offense really could be. And I, I think that's what uh, was encouraging to see. And it really did seem like the offense came back with maybe a, a refocused mindset, or maybe they're working on things that they really are good at and, and honing those things in uh, going into the season. So I, I liked what I saw. Uh, and I, I think that uh, based on how the mood of Kevin Stefanski today, I think that it was another good day for that group. And the, the thing that we're going to start wondering about with this offense is you've got a lot of wide receivers on this team and all of them seem to be add, add something to the mix. Same with tight ends. I mean, those are two position groups that are going to have a lot of tough decisions to make in these next coming couple of days, because you've seen plays made by a variety of different guys. And you can make a case for nearly all of those guys in the rooms right now, as they're constructed on why they belong on the roster. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the, the wide receiver room that that battle is, I, I think it's going to come down literally to maybe that Thursday or Friday prior to cut down day. I mean, and I got a feeling there's going to be a pretty good discussion in that wide receiver room with the front office, with the coaches, when it's time for cut down day as to who stays and who goes, the way that this continues uh, to play out. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, a big touchdown from Case Keenum, had to leave again, though, at the end of practice. And uh, that's twice this week he's had to leave at the end of practice, heat-related little concerning that he's that he's not able to to stick it out through the entire practice but you know again your goal is to be ready on September 13th and not necessarily at the end of August yeah and it's it's been good to 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 see him out in action and I, I think the when you have the head coach praising him the way he did today uh, about kind of his versatility how they can line him up anywhere uh, on offense and and when he mentioned the special teams factor as well uh, that's going to be significant when it comes to, to his place on this roster. So uh, he's done a lot to, to, to prove himself as a sixth round pick. And we've seen enough that when you're a sixth round pick, even when you're, when you're from Michigan and even when you're a five-star recruit, you're not guaranteed a roster spot. And I think that what he's shown over these last couple of weeks is, you know, he's in, in pretty good position to, to at the minimum gain one of those and then, then have a role in this team moving forward. Yeah, I, I think he's done a nice job. It, it's nice to see Kaderil Hodge back, uh, and we'll get into Friday's practice here in a little bit. But you made a great point when we were talking uh, just kind of through things for today with Kaderil Hodge. Um, if you leave, and he had to leave for personal reasons, and it was away from the team, you're not getting tested daily. you got to start the whole process over again, and that's why he hasn't been here for as long. Yeah, and I think the, the thing, he was also another guy that, that got praised uh, by Stefanski today. And I, I think he was playing really well when he was here. And I think that it shouldn't be forgotten that he's probably uh, one of the best special teams players on the entire team. So I, I think he's in pretty good standing right now. Uh, but, but he's shown that he's more than just a special teams guy. And I think that uh, he, he's been impressive. And, and again, he's another guy that you throw in that wide receiver mix. And then you're like, what do you do with these other guys? Because there's uh, a, it's a loaded group. And you brought in Damian Willis uh, from the Bengals, claimed him via waiver. So it, the, the group has only grown. And it's grown even more with Damian Ratley returning to the field. So you've got 
a lot of options and, and some tough decisions to make. And again, all this said, this is an offense where we don't see a ton of wide receivers on the field uh, at the same time. So from what we've seen so far, you know, that could change. I mean, so it, the, the, it's just going to be interesting to see how the math works out in the end with this. Yeah. Uh, no greedy at practice again with a shoulder injury. Uh, Najoku was back. Uh, nice to see Money Mitch back on the field as well as Terrence Mitchell uh, really fighting through things and uh, got some praise on Friday from his position, Coach Jeff Howard. Yeah, and he's a player that's going to become incredibly valuable here uh, with this secondary being as banged up as it is. I think Greedy Williams is day-to-day, but at the same time, you got to start preparing for that game. And he, Terrence Mitchell, again, as, as he's proven these last couple of years, is, is a great backup plan to have. Uh, at those positions so if he's back and healthy you feel a lot better about that secondary my eyes are just going to keep being focused on the slot with what what's going on with MJ Stewart and what's going on and and Kevin Johnson's status moving forward is what do you do at that position that is obviously so valuable to the secondary at that to me remains unclear at this point yeah something to watch here over the coming days and uh, the next 10 days to a week uh, to see what Andrew Barry and company do uh, in that spot. The Browns did sign a reserve center, and they had signed earlier in the week Curtis Weaver uh, from Boise State. They ended up putting him on IR with a foot injury. So you would look at that, and you would say, you just signed a guy to put him on IR. But this is a guy that, you know, I mean, has a pretty good pedigree. Came to the Dolphins, was dinged up. They let him go. The Browns got him. Uh, the Browns immediately put him on IR. And as, you know, as Nathan Zagura on Browns Daily said, it's almost like getting another draft pick. This, this kid, the Browns are pretty high on Curtis Weaver here. Yeah, he, he's a really, he had a really successful finish to his career at Boise State, really super productive uh, pass rusher. And clearly with the injury in, in, in Miami and, and maybe with some other things, I mean, uh, we just don't know their decision-making process that went into – him being waived and clearly if no one had claimed him he would have gone back on reverted back to their roster on, on as waived injured but the browns i guess were among multiple teams to to put in a claim for him and it's just it really is like you said an extra draft pick it's, it's really a kind of a no risk lottery ticket i mean it's one of those where you get him in your building get him in your facility get him get him acquainted with the coaching staff get him just up to speed with everything and then give it a shot in 2021 no pressure i mean so it's it's one of those where you can never have enough guys at those positions, and I think it was a smart move by Andrew Berry. All right, so moving on to today's practice, one we didn't get to watch except for Jeff McDaniel. Uh, the team in full pads, were you surprised that uh, they moved inside and yet still were in full pads? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. They've probably reached the point where they had, they've got enough allotted into the schedule where you might as well put them in pads and, and you can do some kind of contact. And I, I know the field house is obviously compromised at the moment. So it's a much shorter field than it is even in the past, but I, I guess there's enough you could probably do. You probably still do a lot of goal line. You probably still do a lot of red zone. So I imagine that uh, took up the bulk of the focus and you could still do contact drills with that. So I, I think that you just wanted to make the most of the day, go the full two hours after, after only practicing for an hour uh, and just get this team as much football hours as possible. And I think as much as much as you can re- and simulate the real thing at this point, uh, you, you got to take it. Players who did not practice today due to injury, linebacker Adrian Claiborne with a groin, corner Kevin Johnson obviously with the liver, but he's out there on the field with his teammates. 
Carl Joseph, Jarvis Landry sat out today, still, you know, working his way back from his offseason surgery. Corner MJ Stewart with the hamstring. J.C. Treader, obviously, with that knee. Greedy Williams with the shoulder. And uh, for obvious reasons, Mac Wilson down for a little bit as well. Coach, after practice, uh, was talking about Treader, was asked about Treader, and and he said, eh, we'll make a decision on Treader game week. But Nick Harris has been solid. Um, I, I guess – I heard that and alarm bells went off in my head that we're even discussing having to wait to make a decision on Treader. Um, here's a guy I think we all thought was going to be back and I think we'll still end up being back. But uh, was it concerning at all to hear that from him? Well, it's one of those things where you got to prepare for anything at this point. You want, I imagine at this point, you the want way things have gone. Yeah. You want Nick Harris in the mindset that, Hey, be ready to be out there when it starts to matter. And I think that, JC is obviously in a good spot where you probably can get him out there without a, without getting him a ton of practices, but I would imagine you want him out there for at least a couple during the game week and the preparation for the Ravens just to get him back up to speed and get him back in, into at least the closest thing resembling uh, playing shape at this point. And I think that so now when when the, the, the dates get a little bit closer and closer, the deadline is getting nearer and nearer. You got to start getting your rookie prepared. Not that he hasn't already been preparing, but you want to get him locked in to at least preparing for the Ravens and getting them on his on his mind and, and getting him ready for uh, what would be a, a huge moment for him and huge moment for the Browns to, to get their rookie out there. But uh, hope, hopefully you don't have to face that scenario. But at some point here, you're going to want to see JC doing something with the team to, to kind of get you in the feeling that he can be out there for week one. Yeah, no question about it. So offense, defense, they did go at it for a little bit today. They had a full practice, full two-hour practice, and uh, look forward to seeing hopefully some of the footage of that at some point. But Brown's back on the field on Saturday. We'll preview that and the week ahead coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, time for our interview of the day, and it continues uh, in our Meet the Coach segment as Brown's wide receiver coach and pass game coordinator Chad O'Shea had a chance to sit down to chat with us uh, about a number of things, uh, including his wide receiver room, Kevin Stefanski, and the challenges of a new wide receiver like a kid like Willis coming in toward the end of camp and how much he has to make up and how quickly he has to do so. Have a watch and have a listen. And here on the best podcast available, joined now by the pass game coordinator and wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea in his first year with the Cleveland Browns. Coach, appreciate a few minutes of your day. And I, I've got to ask, wide receiver coach, I understand. I know what that is. Pass game coordinator. What exactly is that and what goes into that uh, that side of things? Yeah, I, I think the, the one thing is we have such a great offensive staff that has been in so many different systems is – Regardless of whatever our titles are, it's really a collective effort for us to get to the point where we go to the field and we install the scheme. And that's certainly the way it's going to be during the year. Uh, you know, we have so many good coaches on offense, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for the guys I work with. So regardless of what our titles are, uh, you know, we work really well together and we contribute uh, each of us to the game plan and what we do on the field. So 
you know, that's what's most important is that we work well together. And uh, again, we have a lot of expertise from a lot of different systems, and that sure is beneficial to us offensively. I was going to say, guys from all over the place, from uh, Coach Callahan to, to Coach Stump and uh, all over the place, a lot of expertise with Alex Van Pelt and, of course, Kevin Stefanski, who you were with in Minnesota for a brief period of time from 06 to 08, I believe. Uh, what's it been like, especially now with the guys back in the building, the virtual offseason? We know how well that went uh, for everybody, but how has it been to have the guys back in the building now going on three-plus weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's been really an exciting time for us. We, we've been in the virtual program, obviously, prior to this, and, and that was beneficial. We made a lot of progress, but now is when we really can can really put the, the pedal down and, and, and drive as fast as we can and try to get a lot of these things accomplished on the field that we need to. And, uh, you know, it's just been an exciting time for us because we actually get to get them on the grass and work with them individually and as a group and see how they come together. And we know how important it is to, to have everybody on the same page. And there's no way to get everybody on the same page unless you're out there doing it on a daily basis. You know, the virtual program, obviously, we made that the best we could and, and really got a lot out of that. But there's no substitute for a team being on the field together, working closely with the other positions. All right. You had mentioned it, uh, I believe, on Browns Live. When the pads came on, fundamentals uh, were the goal. And have you seen – some good fundamental work from these guys, 10 practices into this 2020 season. Yeah, I think that's what's most important right now is, is to go out there and see where our fundamentals are. And I think that what we've learned is some of the issues that maybe we need to work on fundamentally, we've seen those improvements made, whether it be within you know a couple of days to three-day period. They really, the players have worked hard and, and tried to be very coachable, I would say. Um, so that's something that's been real encouraging is is the progress in the fundamentals. Uh, I don't think you can uh, realistically uh, have those fundamentals, obviously, with the loss of the offseason and those things that we didn't have uh, the opportunity to do. Their fundamentals are going to be an issue, and, and we made a lot of progress in the fundamentals here in the last few days, and I think there's plenty of work to be done still in that area. What else are you working uh, especially hard with with your guys, especially as we get ready for this third grouping of practices and, and getting closer to the season here, about two and a half weeks out? Yeah, I, I think one of the areas is just being on the same page. You know, take, for example, the past game, how important it is, the dynamics between the quarterback and the skilled players to be on the same page. And there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of detail. There's a, There's a lot of uh, coaching, a lot of doing that goes into that. So I think that's one of the things we're really concentrating and focusing on is just continuing to be on the same page. And then, you know, as, as we look as an offensive as a whole, we're looking at now some situational football, getting into some of those situations that are so critical in the game. You know, you install your offense, and now we're moving forward into some of this situational work that's definitely going to come up obviously early in the season for us, whether we do well in those or we, we don't, is going to be the difference in, in the way it goes for us early. What are your takeaways from this wide receiver room through the, uh, through, through the first few weeks? You know, so much is made of Odell and Jarvis, and, and we know how great those players are, but what, what about your room as a whole? 
have you liked here through the first? Yeah, I, I think it's been really competitive. Let's let's call it the, those other guys after our top two. Uh, it's been competitive. They're all trying to, to play with, well within their roles, and I think their roles right now is what they're making it. You know, that's that's what we've kind of stressed to them is is what what it's going to be for you is what you're going to make it on the field, and it's certainly been competitive. Um, you know, there, there's nothing that's set in stone right now. This is an ongoing evaluation. And, and the good thing is, is that we have a competitive situation. There's a lot of guys that are after, after the one and two receiver spots that, that are good candidates to contribute to what we're doing offensively. What about a guy that just joined this football team, Damian Willis, uh, a guy that uh, late today the Browns officially picked up uh, off of the uh, off of the waiver wire from Cincinnati, a guy like that coming in three weeks in, you know, we talk about the challenges that rookies face trying to make the team with the virtual off season. Uh, what are the challenges a guy like that faces that you're bringing into the room basically halfway through camp here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very challenging. It's been a very challenging year for the rookie class, obviously, with some of the unique circumstances and challenge that they've dealt with, but now you have a veteran player. But I'll say this, I mean, we've only been at this a few weeks as far as our players on our roster right now. Um, we haven't had a full off season together on the field. So as far as the field work, you know, you look at it, there's only a few weeks ahead that our guys are than bringing somebody newly acquired on our team right now. So that's one way to look at it. Uh, obviously you can't make up for all the virtual time and the time spent uh, you know, whether it wasn't on the field or not. So, you know, it's, it's a great challenge, but uh, certainly there's been success stories in the NFL of guys coming on rosters late and, and really making the most out of their opportunity. And, you know, we're, we're acquiring guys for a reason that we think they can help us at that time. And, and certainly that's what we try to do with our roster. And Andrew Berry's done a great job of, uh, you know, giving us, putting us in an opportunity to be successful with some of the players that we acquire, whether it's, now or whether it was through the draft in minnesota with kevin stefanski what was your relationship like and obviously it's blossomed and stayed in good contact over these years uh, since you were there in 06 and 08 and how have you seen him grow from that time in minnesota to now being the head coach of the Browns? yeah it's it's been really awesome to see that i mean he's uh somebody that i've always first first of all had a tremendous amount of respect for as a person uh, you know, it didn't take long to recognize that he was going to be great in whatever he chose to do at the, at the time. You know, he wasn't in a coaching position. It was more of an administrative role. But whatever Kevin's taken on, he's been great at because of the attributes that he has, you know, first and foremost as a person. And, uh, you know, he's a highly uh, intelligent guy that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that I think works very well with people. Um, and, and, you know, I can't say enough great things about working with him previously. And then so far, my experience has been great here with him. I, I certainly respect and admire how he's handled the team and provided outstanding leadership through some different times, I would say, in a, in a first year head coach's, you know, experience on that. But I, I really respect what he's done. I've respected him a lot as a, as a person in the past and really am honored and humbled that I have an opportunity to work with with him. All right, coach, we'll get you out of here with this one. 18 years in the NFL as a coach, your teams have won 12 division titles, five conference championships, three Super Bowls, 
You've also worked with two of the best in the business, Dick Vermeil in Kansas City and Bill Belichick, obviously, in New England. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? Maybe it's not from one of those two, but what's the best piece of advice you've gotten when it comes to coaching in the NFL? Yeah, I think that, that both, you know, I was fortunate to be around Coach Vermeil and Coach Belichick, and they, they share – uh, something in common and that they always want to play to the strengths of the players that you have in the building. You know, don't try to schematically do something that maybe is not a fit for the guys that you're currently coaching that might have worked in a, in a past year with other players. So I think it's very important to find out what the players do well. Uh, don't, don't sit around and talk about what they can't do. Let's talk about what they can do and how we can utilize them to their best abilities and Obviously, that would influence what we do schematically. So I certainly think we've taken that approach here. We have a lot of, of good players in this building that do a lot of things well. And let's, let's find out what they do well and let's play to their strengths. And, and, and that was some advice that I know both of those head coaches that I work for share. And I, I certainly have uh, learned a lot from that. Coach, we appreciate the time. I know you're busy. I know everybody's busy here as we – as we sprint to the finish line, otherwise known as the starting line of the 2020 NFL season. Wish you the best, and, and I hope you and your family are doing well during this absolutely crazy time. Thank you yeah. again and continued success. Thanks a lot for having me on. I want to thank Coach for his time. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, here's a guy, and we I just talked to him about it. You know, he coached under Dick Vermeil, coached under Bill Belichick. Guy has a wealth of coaching knowledge. I and mean, we talk so much about Bill Callahan and the expertise that he has and some of the other coaches like Stump, who's been around for a long time. A lot of these guys come from successful programs and have coached under some really successful people. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's good coaching pedigree to have. And all of those things, I think, become even more important when you have a first-year head coach. You want to you get as much experience in your building and – I think Stefanski did a great job just lining up his staff with guys that he was, one, familiar with, and two, with a lot of different backgrounds, different styles of coaching, and really, most importantly, a lot of success in that group. Yeah, no question. Looking forward to seeing what Coach O'Shea can do with that wide receiver room. And they're going to be under the microscope here for the next seven or eight days uh, leading up to cut down day. And cut down day is coming quickly, as Gribble did say. Gribbs, uh, the three biggest things you think this team needs to accomplish over those next seven to eight days prior to cut down day. What are some of the goals that this team needs to be putting in place as we get closer to that date in Baltimore? Well, I think first off, you got to figure out if you have any ongoing competitions for starting positions, let's get those resolved. You know, we haven't really talked a ton about those, but I, I think you maybe have one opening or so or your linebacker room. We still haven't really gotten truly settled. So I'd like to see maybe that gets settled out. And then maybe let's get a clearer picture of what's happening uh, at corner, if who's going to be available in that regard. And I just think for me, what we've seen, I think we've seen the defense put together a lot of good practices. I think we just need to see the offense continue to keep up that pace. And I, I think that's the, the second and most important thing. And then third is be healthy. Uh, try to avoid, I mean, this is really not something you can actively do, but let's, let's try to avoid some of these injuries, get the, get the guys back uh, as much as possible and just enter week one, giving yourself the best possible shot with your, your best roster, because every coach says that this is the healthiest the team is going to be all season. 
So you got you to gotta find a way to, to get the healthiest possible roster out there for week one because it's not going to get better. You're only going to feel more tired and, and more banged up. I want to go back to the linebacker spots. Um, I know one guy that has stood out a little bit, Sione Takitaki, continuing to make some plays. I know he had an interception in Thursday's practice. Uh, continues to make some plays and turn some heads a little bit. And uh, he's a guy that's clearly stepped up in the wake of Mac Wilson's injury. Yeah, he's been active. And I think that that's been the, the thing you want to see. And it's, I think he was in a position where he was going to be a major contributor even before Mac went down, but now it becomes even more important. So I, I think that uh, he, he becomes a, play, a big player to watch. Him and B.J. Goodson, we've seen out there a lot. Uh, making plays and being productive. And then you wonder what's happening when they go to three with three linebackers. Is it Tay Davis or is it Jacob Phillips? I mean, those are uh, a couple players that, that seem to be out there a bunch uh, alongside a, a host of undrafted or, or very lightly experienced players. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it, it's one of those things where I, I couldn't probably put together a depth chart right now. We'll get a depth chart at some point, but uh, that's the one position group right now that that seems to be a little unsettled, whereas everything else seems to be about the same with what we expected so far. Yeah, I think it's that. I think the battles this week are going to be more along the lines of who's that second line of defense if one of your guys, one of your main starters, go down. I think there are a lot of positions up for grabs at that second and third tier levels. Yeah, and that's the. Again, this is this is the stuff we would usually entertain ourselves with at this time of year because we are so sick of training camp. We'd we'd sat through three preseason games at this point. Like we would be talking about rostered players forty eight through ninety right now uh, on the roster, and we just haven't even gotten to that conversation yet because it just it's a different calendar. So I almost feel like we're we're not talking about these guys the way we used to, and not not scrutinizing who's on the third team or the fourth team and, and things like that. So. Uh, these are decisions that have to be made pretty quickly and, and they're doing it without preseason games uh, and doing it without really another thing to consider is doing this without seeing other teams play preseason games and having a gauge on, on who might be on the waiver wire. I mean, this is a whole new ball game for roster management that we're going to have to really just see unfold before our eyes uh, in a way that just hasn't happened before. Well, and not only that, but you Teams are only really cutting 10, 11 guys, maybe 12 guys. Well, they're, they're still going to have to cut 25 originally or so because then the, you, you would expect them to go into your practice squad. Correct. They're going to be available there for a day or two. So the, so the number on the waiver wire is going to be just as big or maybe 10 less than it usually is. But odds are you're going to want to bring back most of those guys. Yeah. Uh, but there, there still are going to be some claimable players on the market that – Honestly, teams are just going to probably be taking flyers on and, and hoping it works out for the best without getting to see a, a moment of, of what they've been able to do in, in the month of August. I feel like guys could get paid for that. I yeah. mean, like, hey, like if you're interested, I've got a couple other teams interested. Sight unseen, maybe guys getting a little overpaid yeah. going into the 2020 NFL. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, it, that's, it'll be interesting to see because usually there's a lot of waiver claims that day after roster cuts. Maybe there's way less this year just because you're not – you can't just claim a guy that you haven't seen. Yeah, you're to, claim a guy, to claim a guy that you haven't seen, you've got to cut a guy that you've seen. And that's, that's, the, that's the, always the tricky thing. Yeah, and I think that that will – you know, guys starting to get cut will hurt the guys that still haven't signed with anybody. Because, again, you're looking at a three- to five-day process to get into a system if you haven't been in one. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I think that'll play a factor in who gets signed, who doesn't get signed, re-signed, all, all of those things. So it's going to be a very interesting next 10 plus days as we count down to September 13th and that game in Baltimore. Thanks to Chad O'Shea for his time. Thank you to Jeff McDaniel, as always, for his help. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Also watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back with you on Saturday. This is the best podcast available.